to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe in my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done this for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am only a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, 
and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his, to his offspring forever. Mary remained with her for about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, to give birth verse 57. And she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. Now, we have walked all the way to, through the point up to here. We've come and we've, we've seen all this taking place. Gabriel coming and revealing what God's plan is with bringing the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, bring him in flesh to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. That is pay the price for sin. And here all of a sudden we see uh, today, we're going to see the joyous reality of the birth of two little baby boys. And already we've seen one taken here. Now, here Elizabeth comes and she gives birth. And the people, they come after giving birth and say, we need to name this child. They come to circumcise the child, which is the process that was taking place at the time. And it was a tradition that a child, that especially a son, be named born after the family name. And Mary comes along here, Elizabeth comes along here, and she has a different concept for what's going to take place. Uh, as we look at verse 60, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. In other words, there was no John in their family. I do not know of a John in my direct family lineage. And it's like, what's with the name John? Well, we name people today based on we like the name. Now, parents, when you named your baby, didn't you get to the point where you're like looking at names and you're thinking back and you know what? I don't want to name him Jeff. Sorry, Jeffs. And the reason was is because back in junior high, there was a Jeff and me, and we did not like each other. And in fact, Jeff and I got in some Duke outs. So I don't want to have Jeff. The other was is I didn't want to have Mandy. Why Mandy? Because in junior high, I liked Mandy. You know, so Emily is not Mandy because it's just like every time I think of that, I'm like, I can't go there. Okay, so naming a baby is really important. And in that day and age, when you would have names, they usually fit with a family line. And look, as you read these verses here, the, the, verse 57 and following, there's a, there's a back and forth. Elizabeth speaks, and then they speak. And then Elizabeth speaks, and then they speak. And Elizabeth comes in and says, no, his name is going to be John. Question, why did they ask Elizabeth what name? Yeah, she could speak, and Zachariah was over in the corner going, mm. uh, In fact, if you remember, let's go back just real quick. Verse 20 in chapter 1. And behold, you will be silent, the angel says to Zechariah, and unable to speak until the day, remember that, until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, Gabriel tells. So here Zechariah or Elizabeth is and, and gives this proclamation. No, he's going to be called John, verse 61. And they said, there, none of your relatives are called John by this name, uh, verse 62. And they made signs to his father. Now, why would they make signs? Because they can't talk. I, just, there's, I think this is funny. 
I mean, really, here he is in this thing, and they're like, they, I mean, John or Zechariah can hear, and it's like they can talk, but they're, you know, isn't that the way it is sometimes with people who can't talk, and you're like, you know what, i got to speak real loud. He's like, I can hear. I just can't bring it back. So then they come over, and they're coming over to Zechariah, and they're like, you know, whatever they're doing. What a picture. So look to what happens here. Love this. Um, where was I? Verse, uh, yeah, verse, end of verse 62. Verse 63, look at this. And he asked for an Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> Isn't that great? This is where it was invented, by the way. You think it was invented in Ohio. No. It was invented in, in where, Jerusalem. Okay, anyway. And here he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, His name is John. Hey, listen to me. This is a big deal. Because for nine months, at, at minimum, because, listen, when the angel came to Zechariah and said, you're going to have a child, it wasn't right then. Because it was not a virgin birth. It was not a miraculous birth. And now, it was miraculous in the fact that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old, beyond the age of conceiving, and yet they conceived. So it was nine months, ten months, twelve months. We don't really know. It was a period of time after this. And all that time, Zechariah can't say squat during that period of time. Because, as we saw in verse 20, because he had not believed, because he had not been faithful. And listen, out of that, let's not miss the reality that out of that, Zechariah could have gotten a bad, bitter attitude during that time. What do you mean you shut me up for all these months? I'm going to name him Zechariah Magnificent. And I'm serious about this. Don't underplay the reality of what is happening here. And after all this time, Zechariah, the character of Zechariah and Elizabeth is told to us early in chapter 1. These were a couple that walked blamelessly with the Lord, that loved the Lord. And here, after all this time of silence, they come and they ask him, Hey, Zechariah, what do we name the baby? And he says what? John. Huge event. Listen, don't miss that. This is a man of faith who made a mistake and unbelieving at the time, has paid the consequences for it, of the reality of it, and yet a gracious God is going to allow him to continue to be a part of it. Listen, this is hope for you and me, because everyone in this room has messed up. The scriptures call it sin. Everyone. And yet there's hope. So here Zechariah comes along. Verse 64, and immediately... Thank you. Now, if you have no idea what that is about, we went through the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, one of the words that, that, that Mark used repetitively throughout that Gospel is the word immediately. And the word was used to, 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 as an accent point to be able to say not just that it happened, but it happened immediately. So we would do that just to emphasize that reality. And here's why I'm kind of having fun with this again. I'm so proud of you. You remember. Don't remember anything else about the Gospel of Mark, but you remember that. No, I'm kidding. Having fun. Okay, so in this fact, it's immediately something right then takes place. What's going to happen to take place? Look, God is so wonderful. And immediately his mouth opened and his tongue loosed. 
Remember verse 20? And you will be mute until these things are fulfilled. Listen, God knows his word and he sticks to it. He doesn't stick to it loosely. He doesn't just kind of like, you know what, whatever. He is precise. He's right there with it. And here at this time in verse 20, 9, 10, 12 months ago, this statement is made, and they have a baby. And then right when it's born, and not right when it's born, but right when he names the baby, God's like, kabam, speak, buddy. Oh, special, isn't it? Seriously, very, very special. Our God knows his word, and he's going to stick to it, folks. And in fact, the scriptures say that Jesus is coming back one day. Well, when? Don't know. But let me tell you this. He's coming back one day. And they can think we're idiots for thinking that. But I'm telling you, when it's the right time, bam, just as he had planned. Mm, Great hope. And immediately his mouth opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke and he spoke blessing to God. And we're going to see the blessing here in just a minute. Of all the things he says right off, it's the first thing he talks about is he speaks blessing to God. Not like, wow, man, I can talk. Or not like, oh, I'm not trying to be mock. But literally, it wasn't like the kind of thing where he's like his vocal cords and everything else is just down for all this time. And he's like, yeah, trying to figure out. It's just like, boom. Special. It really is. Verse 65, and fear came upon all their neighbors. I would say so. And all these things were talked about. I love that. Here he is mute all this time, and he speaks, and then it's talked about. The irony. about And it's talked about all through the hill country of Judea. Listen, all of Judah is talking about this. This isn't just a little area of like uh, Avon. This is like central Indiana talking about this verse 66 and all who heard them laid up in their hearts not only did they talk about it but something just grabbed their hearts what's going on they grabbed their hearts and we get to see what was in their heart for out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks what did they say well here's what they said what then will this child be they knew something special was going on here. And they're like, what's going to happen? What's going to take place with this baby? By the way, they continued to ask that question all the way into, uh, uh, through John's life. And why do they ask this question? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Hey, listen, people can hear and they can see it, but not take it in. These people heard it and they saw it and they weren't getting it yet. And I want to tell you something. That's okay. Because Zachariah and Elizabeth had a little bit of advantage. Like they knew what this was all about. And the other people are trying to catch up and trying to grasp what's taking place. Listen, asking questions is a good thing. The question is, where do you take the questions to? Do you come back and say, well, I don't know how everything got started, how everything existed. Well, I think, 
Hey, listen, I am now putting myself as the authority of all things. The question is, where do you go to get the answers for the questions that you have? Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were taking it back to when the angels spoke to them. The word of God, the words of God. And we're to be the kind of people that take it back to what scripture says. That's where we get our answers. Yeah, but I don't understand. You know, so did, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? I mean, like, have you ever wondered about that one? No. <laughs> uh, you know, just those are silly ones. But real questions of life. But take it back to the scriptures on what's taking place. Well, let's keep on going here because Zechariah speaks. Verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. By the way, this is the third time in chapter 1 that the scriptures tell us that someone is filled with the Spirit. And in all three times, the result of the filling of the Spirit is an understanding of God's redemptive purposes. We don't, you know, later on, sure, we see in Acts chapter 2, we see these miraculous things taking place. But I want to tell you, that's not what it's all about in the culmination of everything. Here we see Mary, when she is filled with the Spirit, she gets what's taking place. We saw with Elizabeth, when she was filled with the Spirit, she gets what's taking place. We actually see with John in Elizabeth's womb, who leaped, by the way, that was not just like a, a weird flex thing. I really think what is saying there is baby John in the womb understood who was in Mary's womb when she walked in their door. And that little baby inside her womb, filled with the Spirit of God, understood the Messiah coming, just walked through the door and could not contain himself. And every time we see the filling of the Spirit taking place here, the result in, the, in a greater understanding of the redemptive purposes for God. And I just want to tell you, for some of you in this room, that you, you have that same story. You've heard it all your life. You've even seen it all your life. But it's never become yours until one day. And like everything clicked. You came to the point in your life where it's just not about the knowledge, but it's about the fact of me receiving Christ as my Savior. Many of you have that story very dramatically in your life. Well, let me keep reading. Verse 67, and so what does he say? Verse 68, blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised a horn of salvation. Now, a horn in those days, a horn was used as a symbolic statement, and actually an actual instrument that was used to declare victory, a call to battle, and a declaration of victory. And so here he's talking about it's a, it's a horn of salvation. It's victorious salvation. It's a battle for salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke to the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our fathers, Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness. By the way, freedom results in service and sanctity of life. This is a reminder as we talk around here. Salvation is not about the golden ticket into heaven. 
And then the rest of life is just like hanging on until we get there. Salvation is about the reality of the fact of Christ coming, dying for me in my place and receiving him. And now I have a purpose for life. I'm walking this way and heaven starts right now. Salvation is lived out now, taking place with what's going on. Uh, Verse 76, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Imagine saying that about your baby. (laughs) For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of your God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. In other words, the, the, the sunrise is coming. Life is about to peer over the edge of the darkness. Verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of the death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. What a great proclamation. Hey, listen, Mary and Zechariah, we have recorded in Luke chapter 1, both giving verbal public proclamations of the work and word of God. And here they are just declaring it for us. Well, let's keep going. Verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. By the way, as you see in your your Bible, most of you have, in fact, I think all English translations have it as a small s. This isn't talking about the Holy Spirit. This is talking about his, his his own human personality. They kind of got to take that one and work that one through. Because in other words, John is rising up not only as a man of God, but just in his own person of who he is. There's a strength that is taking place in the reality of this. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Well, one baby's born. Let's go to baby number two. Because this is the culmination point. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, chapter 2, verse 1, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus, when, when, yeah, actually, Quirinus was governor of Syria. Oh, let me give you a couple of comments. Caesar Augustus, born Gaius Octavian. Oh, that's a manly name, isn't it? Uh, what's your name? Gaius Octavian. The grandnephew, who was later adopted son of the designated heir of Julius Caesar, he was seen as the sole leader of the Roman world after 27 B.C., given honor more as a small g god than a human. By the way, listen to this inscription that was in stone that they, that they found. It says this about Augustus Caesar. Divine Augustus Caesar, son of a god, imperator, in other words, victorious general. Victorious general of land and sea, the benefactor and savior of the whole world. The irony. And Caesar gives the proclamation that the savior of the whole world gets moved to Bethlehem. Hey, listen. God is in control. Even of people who don't know him, care about him, proclaim whatever about him, even if they think they are God, God is in control. 
And so here they go. They go and they do this uh, uh, registration, the census. Rome took a census every 14 years for military and tax purposes. Now, the Jews would not go for the purpose of, uh, of the military part because they were exempt from serving in the Roman army because they were Jews. A census was an intrusive reminder, though, to the Jews of the allegiance required of Israel as a conquered people. It irritated the living tar out of them because it was a constant reminder that Rome was in charge of them. And each Jewish male had to return to the city of his father's name. Uh, it's not necessarily the place where he was born, but the heritage, the lineage of his family. And he had to record his name, occup- occupation, property, and family. And so Augustus makes a decree, but God is in charge. Verses 4, uh, and Joseph. By the way, this is the first time we actually see Joseph. In verse 27, the name Joseph is married only because it says that Mary, Mary was married, betrothed to Joseph. Here, Joseph appears. It's interesting. Luke doesn't make a big deal about Joseph. Uh, Matthew does. But here he doesn't. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, and who, who was with child so they go to bethlehem now bethlehem has no major roads leading to it it's about five to six miles south of jerusalem it's the place where jacob buried rachel it's the place where ruth met boaz and where david tended sheep and at that time it was called bethlehem which means the house of bread and the bread of life is making his way to the house of bread to appear by the way they go back to the city that is their family lineage. Now, Karen and I years ago had the chance to go overseas. Karen's family, in fact, her parents are here today. Gruneveld is their last name. Would you like to spell that one in first grade? Gruneveld. And so they go back to Holland where their uh, family heritage is. And we went back to the city where uh, most of her, uh, actually, I think, grand, grandfather was born. Is that right, Dad? Yeah, so Karen's grandfather was born, and we went back to that area. We saw a bunch of Gruneveld signs, and it was on a Sunday, and that's a whole other story because it was like a ghost town. Uh, interesting situation there. But in the time when we went back, and it was kind of one of those things we didn't know anybody, but it was a family lineage, the place where, in essence, Karen's family came from. Now imagine, so in other words, it's this. It's not necessarily that Joseph was going back to the place where he was born, and he walks in town going, hey, buds, hey, buds, you know, in the high school friends and all that kind of stuff going on. That wasn't the situation. Instead, he's going back to the family to where his lineage came out of. It's, it's, the, it's the lineage of David, and he's going back there. And in the cartoon, it talked about the whole in thing. In fact, the last word in uh, verse 7 is in, just like they said. It doesn't mean embassy suites. They didn't have hotels. They didn't have anything like that. And there's all this interesting talk about, so where was Jesus really born? Was he born actually in a barn? Was he born in a cave? Was he born where? It's all over the place. It's likely not in the barn the way it's usually pictured. It's likely either in a cave or actually they talked about on the upper room because it in refers to a guest house, but usually in peasant homes, a peasant home was constructed where the first floor was the animals. And the second floor was the family lived. Wouldn't you like to live in that setting? 
so the, the, and so it's very possible that actually they could have been down under a house where the animals were under it or in a cave. But here's part of the deal. You're coming back to your family lineage. You come in, there you are, engaged. And your engaged wife, as they would call it then, your engaged uh, future wife was nine months pregnant, ready to deliver. And we talked about this last week. And I'm going to tell you, listen, back in those days, you come in and you probably stayed with some kind of family lineage people. And they're like, oh, good to see you, second, third, fifth cousin down the road. And, oh, who's this? Uh, this, is my, this is my engaged uh, wife. And uh, we're nine months pregnant. And everybody's like, whoa, dude. This was an awkward moment, big time. And I talked last week about how Mary had to live with this whole issue for the rest of her life. And here she is giving birth to the Savior of the world. Verse 5. Because he was a house of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, likely a stone uh, kind of drinking trough type of a thing. Laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest house. Here they come in and the Savior is born. To a peasant woman. Mary was not poor. She was poor. Joseph wasn't poor. He was poor. And yet the king of the universe is being born through them. This is a moment, the birth of Christ, that we could reflect upon and just look at as kind of almost any other great human person born in history. But listen, this was not just another historical special birth. This was a birth of the Messiah. This is the birth of the Redeemer. This is the birth of the Savior of sin. And Christmas is not just about a cute little boy born in a manger in a little podunk town with a poor engaged couple with a star over their heads. It was way better. From God's perspective, as we started out talking in this series here right after Thanksgiving, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, there was a promise of the one who is going to come. And from all that time, this is not just about a night, a day. This is about a redemptive history that's taking place. And the fact of the matter is that the birth of this story is all about the death. Of the Savior of the world. And when we look at this story, we see the birth of a little baby boy that is going to grow up and to be a man who is nailed to the cross and dies, but then rises again. The story of the birth is all about the death. The story of the birth is all about the empty tomb. The story of the birth is all about redemption made available. The story of the, of the baby is all about God made available through Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else. 
This is huge. This is awesome. This is, gives us hope. So what should our response be this Christmas? Well, this was a holy night. This was a holy night. This was a culminating event in God's redemptive history. Let's not understand it as Jesus as a Savior. Let's not understand it as Jesus as the Savior. Let's understand it as Jesus as my Savior. Too many see him as a Savior, as the Savior. But do you see how it feels distant? Christ came for the fact of this, that he would be my Savior. So how do we respond on the oh, holy night? I would suggest that within our hearts and within our lives that we do this. Let's fall on our knees.